You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hello there. Hello. Um, hi, everyone. Um, Corinne is joining me. She is someone I experienced with um, ayahuasca with for the first time in the Peruvian jungle. And here we are. What? How many years later is it now? <laughs> that was in 2015. Right. So, so I think it was March. Yeah. It feels like longer somehow. I miss that place every day. Me too, but I'm going back. That's right. So here's some of your um, pre-ayahuasca chat to get you all primed. Um, yes. I wanted to uh, to bring Corinne on because she's had some such extraordinary experiences and uh, with some very unusual <laughs> characters. I don't know if there is such a thing as usual char- characters where ayahuasca is concerned. Um, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of people do see the same things or encounter the same entities. So maybe, but I'm looking for people who who have encountered the same beings I have. Uh, right, yes. Um, I think Corinne wants to create her own little bee colony, <laughs> which <laughs> would be wonderful. So I think that we should get on with this story. Are you comfortable sharing um, your story? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I am. So please. It was my second trip into the, the jungle, so that was last year in 2016, and I had extraordinary experiences. And for me, I don't know about you, Rebecca, but it's not all visual for me. No, no, it isn't. No, it's uh, intuitive, and I, you know, ayahuasca speaks to me. And then sometimes, you know, I call I call these beings her armies. Sometimes she sends in these armies. And in this instance, and I think it was, that would have made it my 12th ceremony, um, I had alien bee beings come to me. And I was in ceremony, and all of a sudden I heard a loud buzzing sound in my right ear. And I didn't know what it was. That was unfamiliar. And it was indicated to me to invite them in. So I did. But very quickly, as soon as I realized, I went, oh, no, come in, come in. <laughs> and they did. And the sound of buzzing was so loud. And I could feel them coming inside of me. Wow. And starting to do their work. And they, they were continuing work that had actually started when we were in the jungle together, where they did a lot of work. Actually, every ceremony, they worked on my heart and my throat area. Okay, so these this is an experience that began um, when you and I were um, experiencing ayahuasca together um, in yeah. ceremony, and then you went back, and this these this oh, same yeah. crew continued work on you. It was a different crew, but oh. they were doing the same job. So, if if I can ask this question, I mean, it's entirely up to you if you want to expand on this. What took place earlier? Like, what was your experience like um, in terms of the kinds of interactions you had in your ceremony when we were together? It was similar. Um, I know I was introduced to a plant doctor in my second ceremony, and I don't know if you remember, but I absolutely freaked out. <laughs> I was horrified. It was sheer terror. I'd never seen anything like this being in my life. 
and I got to go <laughs> into the lab where they were doing their work. And I say they, but then I call it a being. So I can't, I can't decide if there were like thousands of them or just one of them. Well, this is the trouble that I have all the time because, you know, I have this dialogue, but when they speak to me, it's always we. So I think that this is our difficulty because we see things in in our own dimension, but there things are very different. So that's why yeah. I feel like sometimes when we try to, I mean, we'll, we'll give descriptives, that's natural, of course we want to do that, and it's really cool to think about, you know, what, what the meaning behind these identities are, but um, the truth is, it's, it's, it's the work that they're doing is important, and I don't know if we're capable, really, of, of and, and I don't know if those distinctions are, are all that necessary, but it, it's cool to think about. Yeah, and, and I don't know either. The closest description I heard was you had a speaker on your show, a doctor, I forget her name, I'm sorry, but she had said um, that it was the forces of nature. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. That Rachel Harris, I think that was. Rung true, yes, yes. So they can show themselves to us as, you know, in my case, this plant doctor that I can't really describe, and then these alien be beings, but that really makes sense to me. That resonated with me because that's how it feels. That's how I can explain it now. Oh, what, what's ayahuasca? The forces of nature. Oh, I'm you're so glad that you're tea. saying this now. Usually I open up the show with that, but I, I figured <laughs> we would get around oh. to it. And, and I knew you had this amazing story to tell, so I wanted to get right into it. Now, um, the, this you were describing like one or more than one, and there was there was a way in which you perceived it, and in in a, a state of fear because of the way that it looked or came across. Or I realized, okay, so I stayed fearful of that ceremony for about a year. Wow, that's interesting. I couldn't because I have never seen anything more real in my life. So now, when I am in regular everyday life, in this consciousness, like right now I can look around my living room, and, and when I think of that vision, because it was so real, everything seems flat and very, um, just flat mm-hmm. compared to that. And it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's interesting, though. So, and it's only when I compare the two, because like I said, I've never seen anything more real in my life. So it wasn't the look of it or them, it was that they didn't have emotion, and that took me a year to figure out. Oh, because when we're being ministered to here, we uh, gauge everything based on um, the demeanor and what we sense from the people who are caring for us, and that doesn't exist there, really. No. No, not at all. They're there to do the work, and it is out of love. Yeah. And emotion, and and not and not love as an emotion, but as a a, a source of power. Right. And we we so would have to take that for granted, and that's something that takes a while to to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by know, the second time. Pardon? Sorry, but the second time you 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 went into it understanding that, which is amazing, right? Yes. So I knew that if I had more beings 
working on me that were going to show themselves to me. I know that they're there. They work on me every ceremony. I get more surgeries than I do these fantastical visions. But when I get the visions, they are very, very powerful. But I always know I'm being worked on by, by the thousands of entities. So amazing. Wow. Can you describe yeah. anything, uh, kind of experience that you had so that other people will understand what working on me might mean? Well, um, okay. So I'll, I'll use the bee being ones in, in the second trip. So, for example, yes, yeah, so the bee beings, I hear the buzzing. They indicate they need to be invited in. I do that. They come in, and I can feel them just swarming through my <laughs> entire body. But they're focusing on my heart and my throat, and they're buzzing the whole time. So there's this enormous pressure on my heart and throat, which happens every ceremony so far. It's happened every single ceremony. But now these bee beings have taken over, and, and, and they're about to show themselves to me because now I understand, okay, they don't have emotion. They're going to do what, what, they need, what I need to have done, and I just accept it. So this uncomfortable, amazing, powerful pressure is like physically on my my heart area and my throat area, and I ask them, "What are you doing?" Well, then they appear. About five of them appeared, and I could see them going over me. I imagine because you know the the visions are against the darkest black, the deepest black. So the colors really pop. Now I'm looking at them, and I can see that, <laughs> and they're 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 letting me know that they they're working on me and deciding which place needs to be worked on by looking. But so they have this light on their belly, and as they move along, the light will tell them where to go, what needs to be healed in me. So cool. And then they'll stop there and start to work. The other thing was. I could see them because aside from the light on their belly, that was their, their guiding light, they were surrounded by a colorful light. Each one had a different light. So in this case, there were orange, blue, yellow, pink, and green. So there were five that I saw. And you can see them working. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa! And they're still buzzing away and... And they continue to do that, and then I think um, in the last two ceremonies, um, so that would have been my, well, 13th and 14th, they did show themselves, and they were showing their work, I think, because they had me. The vision was, I was on a table, I could see myself, I was on a table, and these, they're huge, these alien bee beings are, are huge, and they're standing over me, and they're holding up my heart to show me. And it was, it was amber-colored crystals, and it was sparkling and glowing and huge. And, and they were just inspecting it and showing it to me. And, and we stayed like that for quite a while while I was just marveling, like, is that really my heart? You know? <laughs> wow, you guys did a great job. So, I mean, I was so thrilled. It was just amazing. So it's that, that's, you know... That's dedication, because these surgeries on my heart and throat, and my head also, because the bee beings did crush my head. That was difficult. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I think that you're going to have to explain that one. But before you do, I just wanted to mention, 
what I find consistent and really fascinating is the responsiveness that we do have opportunities when we're in this state, um, in this um, state with ayahuasca to respond. We, we are responding all the time. And when that's why surrender is so very important because if we hesitate or feel scared or whatever, uh, it's going to make it so much more difficult. And, um, and sometimes they'll just back off and, and you won't get done what you need to get done. And you acknowledged in this, um, this next phase of ceremonies where they asked to come in, that permission is really important. Um, yeah. In my experiences, I get asked to agree with things all the time. There were actually some times where I was asked to agree out loud because a, a lot of this stuff takes place in the mind. Um, But another thing that I started to realize after having all these experiences is that um, a lot of what takes place there is is indicative of what um, we're experiencing without knowing it here, Um, that our thoughts and our reactions internal, things that we don't show on our facial expressions that are going out there, are being felt by people. You know, they may not be aware of it in that, you know thinking everyday mind but on some level it's registering and and our agreements are there too whether we agree to you know be served in this way or not so um it's all these things seem so fantastical when you tell the story about bee beings doing this but there's underlying principles there that are giving us hints about our experience that are really important yeah, that's a really interesting point, Rebecca. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> I agree with you, and I'm going to have to really uh, look at that. It just it makes sense to me, but yeah. I never thought about it before. Yeah. So tell I love us, that. tell us, thank you. Tell us about the mind that them working on your brain. Ooh, well, <laughs> it was my skull. So oh. it started again with the pressure. They put, I mean, through the seven ceremonies that we had together, I, I had enormous physical pressure on my chest and my throat, and it just stayed that way. Among other things, there's a host of other things that that are going on, but it's always there, always there, and that the work continues, you know, in in my second trip, it was just amazing. But so in in one of the ceremonies, uh, the bee beings were still working on my heart and throat, and then they, things were lightening up. The pressure wasn't as heavy. It was still there, but it was more becoming like just a, a vibration, instead of an absolute pressure, like someone sitting on my chest. That's right. how heavy it was. Oh, my goodness. So, so I felt the top left side of my head, my skull, um, the pressure, the same pressure that they'd applied, that same heavy pressure, like someone might as well have been sitting on my head. So it started there, and I said, what are you doing? So they showed <laughs> me, and um, they showed me in grayscale. So this wasn't a colorful vision. It was like looking at an, uh, a motion, uh, like an x-ray in motion. So I'm seeing my skull, and I'm watching it, and they are crushing it. It's just going down. It, it moves from the left side. It goes over to the right side. It continues down, and I can feel it. I'm watching it happen. What are you by feeling? This little show they're giving me an enormous amount of pressure. Okay. It's just enormous amount of pressure, and then I can no longer feel, like, if when they crushed up to, say, my eyebrows, then I couldn't feel the top of my head anymore. 
and then they continued. They went past my eyes, down my nose, to my mouth, and then I couldn't feel that anymore. And I'm watching it, and, and I'm looking for dust. Like, what are you doing with my skull? Where is it going? Where is the residue? The, where is the powder, the dust? You know? <laughs> it was that so, real. You know? <laughs> I, I'm wondering, like, what? And then, um, yeah, they kept crushing, and they went around to the right side of my jaw, and then they left the bottom left side of my jaw intact. So I just had a piece of jaw left. <laughs> and the rest had been just vanished, disappeared, crushed, obliterated. So that was confusing. Did you get and, a replacement jaw? <laughs> well, here's what happened. So they needed that part, so apparently. So I thought, well, okay, so I guess they just decided to crush my head, and <laughs> I made it through. It took about 20 minutes, I would say. You know, it's hard to tell time, but I would say, yeah, about 20 minutes for them to complete this. And then I went on through, like, just other things in the ceremony, and then they revisited it later on, so they showed my piece of, of jaw again, and then they started reconstructing my skull. Hmm. And I could feel my head again. Then they asked me to move my jaw, and the left side of my jaw was clicking. And they said, stop, so I did. And they went in and put, applied some pressure and then asked me to move it again, and I did, and it stopped clicking. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? So this brings up so much um, important matter for discussion, and the reason being is that, um, well, uh, people understandably call these hallucinations, all right? But what you're describing and what many of us have experienced <clears throat> is yeah. is not... I don't think that it belongs to that category, that description, because what's happening yeah. is we see something going on and we're affected by it physically in this, um, in this reality. Yes. So um, I think that that moves beyond the description of <laughs> hallucina hallucination into something else. There's an interaction yeah. And there's an interactive event going on. We are actively being healed in this way. It's just that we have come to believe that these images that we see in our mind or in any other way other than through opening our, our eyes and something that we can physically touch are not real. But I think that a lot of us are starting to see that we're tapping into other dimensions of reality that are just as real as here, and we're obviously, you know, breaking through and interacting with them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is not a hallucination. <laughs> no, not at all. Your job. I was under that impression <laughs> when I first went, and that got wiped right off the board after my first ceremony. These are not hallucinations. Yeah. It is a different dimension, and you're dealing with this these intelligences, and they're supernatural. And they're doing, you know, I do believe they're doing this deep energetic work. So when I ask, what are you doing? They're going to show me what I can relate to. Yes, exactly. Because there's a lot that we can't, you know, I get that because uh, I do dream work. And, and there's a lot of times I wake up going, what is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's that all about? And it's like, it, it's not important that you understand all of what you 
perceived. You know, it's important to understand that it's healing. You know, there's a reason we need the amount of sleep that we have. And we've got all these strange images and pictures and things that don't seem to make sense. But I think that there's a lot of good work going on there potentially, too. Um, yeah. 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 So I love, though, your story, particularly because it's so interactive and your physical, it was it was obvious that once you had, you know, they asked you to do something, you do it and something physically changes in you. I mean, this happens with me, too. So it's really nice to hear that um, that's happening during your ceremony. Um, so did you, um, by the way, I also want to mention something else is that early on when I was training in shamanism, and we journeyed uh, with just sonic drumming with no substances being taken. Uh, this is a very common thing uh, for shamanic healing, for something to seem very um, uh, very shocking. Like there are things that happen where people get their head removed and different body parts removed and get put all back together. And it's yeah. a healing, you know. So the thing is that when you feel it... Um, it, it can be, of course, very uncomfortable. I've had some many uncomfortable experiences. Um, but my question is, how did it feel afterwards? I mean, I know you had your own misgivings because of this emotional um, distance that you felt, but what about physically and, and in every other way and even emotionally did you feel that you were being healed? Oh, absolutely, and there's no doubt. So, you know, I, I understood enough after my first trip and my first ceremonies and and doing so much learning for the next, you know, over a year, when I uh, got back home, all I did was investigate this deeper and deeper and try and understand what the hell was that. Like, it's stunning. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started um, reading, well, I was actually led into all kinds of new information and, and learning that, yes, these things happen, and, and yes, they're real, and we ha- I have to accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, before it just, and it sounds crazy, and it's, it's difficult to try and explain the unimaginable to a person who hasn't experienced this, and that's, that's a frustration. But absolutely, after all of these surgeries, I, um, I feel lighter. Because I went a very sick person, very sick. I was in my 13th year of hell. And I went out of desperation. So I didn't, I mean, I thought I knew a bit about ayahuasca, but I had no idea of the immense power. Right. So this whole, I feel like, and I try to explain it to people, like if you have 10 layers of, like heavy darkness on you and you go and ayahuasca will remove each layer no matter how long it takes but she's removing them for me yeah um and it's a lightness it's so that's the thing is that what happens initially is we feel and experience all of these strange and difficult things and and it's afterwards uh, sometimes right after the ceremony but often when we come home and you know we we have some time and space to figure it out that we realize just how healing um it's been and then we try to figure out the rest and you know some of it we may never figure out i i learned to embrace the mystery even though i'm of course i'm still fascinated by it all 
um, of course, I still love um, to learn more, and I am learning more all the time <laughs> through this yeah, amazing connection. Oh, so brilliantly, yeah. But, um, you know, there's part of me that was very agitated, want to know more, want to understand it all, and, and like, I, I, I was just very strongly encouraged to give that up, you know? <laughs> yeah, because there's like, no way. Yeah, there's d- just, just no way we yeah. can understand it. We're just not capable. Exactly. It's true. Yay. In fact, it was put yeah. across to me in, in in a way like that, you know, it said it's, it's you know, um, certain questions I asked were irrelevant, and then others were, you, you can't possibly conceive of the answer to that question. <laughs> so be okay yeah. with that, you know. Because if you're... Con- oh, yeah. And, it, and then I said, why? And it's like, because of your condition. And I thought, my condition? And I realized that the human condition, <laughs> you know, this is why. <laughs> so go, okay, I get it. Condition, yeah. <laughs> can't do much that. about that. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're too limited. We can't. We can't. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. The more we are brave enough, I think, to open up and to talk about this stuff, um, the the more people will start opening up to these possibilities. And I think what really hits home is being healed. I mean. Let's face it, um, there are a lot of illnesses going around, too many. You know, this is, this is not healthy, our society suffering from all of these things. And, you know, I think that we're, we're pretty much done with stigma because we can see the stats reflect that a huge majority of people have, are on some kind of medication for something, you know. And this doesn't indicate a very healthy society. So I think we have to agree that... All of these norms that we have where we're, we're forcing things to be normal, which, you know, I, I think that we are also really under a delusion about what that means, too. Like, normative is just what the majority of people are doing, and I think that we have created some idea of what normal is, and normative is these stats <laughs> that are saying things are desperately wrong, and if we want to keep... Staying in that same place, yeah, we're going to go towards the normative and keep us back, you know. What we have to do is jump outside of the norm in our comfort zone if we want to really make progress and expand and open up to ideas that may sound crazy. Every time we've made huge steps forward, that's exactly how we did it. Yes, exactly. And that's what happened to me because I was so sick. Um and I put it, been put on a number of medications. I mean, I was, they diagnosed me with uh, major depression, and I knew that that wasn't it. I was missing myself. I was gone. I mean, I was walking around like I was dead and breathing. I describe it as, and this is for 13 years, it was like me walking around surrounded by wet cement up to my chin while balancing a 20-pound bag of sand on my head. You have an amazing imagination, and that is such a powerful thing. <laughs> I never appreciated That's what it was. how how and important it was that is. Twenty four hours a day in my sleep, I would have that. So sleep was difficult. Eating was the big problem. I, my appetite was gone. I survived on milk and meal replacements. Food was nearly impossible to get down. It would be like me sitting a big bowl of sand or dirt in front of you, doing that three times a day and saying, eat it. Wow. 
And so how? We, how? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Repulsive. No, I do remember this. I remember when I was in deep depression, oh. people say, oh, just go for a walk. And it's like, I haven't been out of my house for months. <laughs> I don't think right. you get yes. what this is like. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so people who haven't gone through this, and I won't call it depression. I do call it dark night of the soul. Yes, and so that's exactly what it was. That term. Sure. Yes. And, and now I do look at, at it as an initiation. For what? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I got through it, and only out of desperation. So, uh, like, for me, I was one of those people, oh, take the meds, take the meds. I resisted them at first. I wanted nothing to do with them. Me and too. I was right. But, yeah. Right? We're conditioned. So I did take them. But there they was something work. inside of you that was natural, that was that was against that. And we don't trust yeah. those things. You know, we trust others, no. and we don't trust ourselves a great deal. And, and I think that the medicines help us to trust ourselves a lot more. That's right. That's right. So when these things didn't work, and that was years of trying, I mean, I can't even count how many different medications and combinations of meds that I had tried without, and they all failed. In fact, they did more damage than anything. So, and, and actually, I'll go further mm-hmm. and say, so I, I am lucky to be alive, according to the doctors, five times. Oh, I think, I think the same is true of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we're so here like, for a reason. I can't survive this. I can't. Yes, yes, I was in ICU for a while. So all this physical illness is a result of, you know, my spirit breaking away from me. That's the way I look at it now, Mm -hmm. or this dark night of the soul. And then, so yeah, ayahuasca for sure. Um, And I was called, and it was so strange because I didn't have any money to go. And then I got a windfall after Mm -hmm. I decided to go and booked it, expecting to go in debt to do this. And then I got a windfall, and it was paid for. Isn't that amazing? All three times. Yeah. happened all three times. So, you know, th- this is no joke. I mean, if you're meant to go, you're going. And that's yeah. the way it works with me. And, yeah, I mean, I've tried everything Western, you know, to the point where it was even ECT. I was like, scheduled for the full 12 legal rounds of that. I got through six. And then a series of events happened where I pulled out of the hospital. And I didn't go back. Good. So... Yeah. You know, we, uh, we're just torturing our people. But mm-hmm. this medicine, <laughs> this is love. This is, I mean, uh, I, it's unbelievable. It is in, incredibly powerful. And we don't have to be doing what we're doing to ourselves. So now let's talk about how it felt for you coming home after getting your head crushed. <laughs> I mean, both homecomings. The first one, actually, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. No, I'd love to go back to that. Yeah. Really powerful because I, well, first of all, I was getting it from our group. You know, geez, you've, you've, you've really changed. Yeah. And I thought I was putting on my show, you know, like no one's going to know what I'm going through because I act like I remember myself years ago. But no. I guess people can sense there's something wrong with this person. <laughs> so when I started getting that, it was just, okay, okay. I knew I was feeling better. And when I got home, it hit me. I felt, like, <laughs> so powerful and so energetic and, and joyful. And I would go out, and it's the, the most amazing thing, 
because the first time I went out, and I hate I hate shopping, right? But I had to get some stuff, so I was at a mall, and, <laughs> and I had these this woman, and she just was gravitated toward me, and she's like, "You glow." <laughs> Okay, wacko, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, actually, yeah, I kind of do. And then we started talking, and then this other uh, woman, like, doing the checkout was like, you glow. And I was like, that's what she just said. <laughs> and, you know, it goes on, and then my friends are looking at me, and they're like, you glow. And I kept hearing that, and I'm like, I, well, I feel really light. I feel free. I feel like I've had an enormous weight off of me. Like this wet cement was beginning to dissipate, you know, there's still remnants, but wow, I can breathe, I can move, I can get up, I can eat, which was fantastic. Right. No more struggling. So the impact was incredible, and other people felt it, and I thought that was fantastic. Now, the second time I got back, this was very interesting. So, you know, I don't know anybody else who has drank ayahuasca in my area, many people where I live just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And to try and talk about these things is going to freak people out, and that's okay. So um, I, I have two close friends who aren't particularly interested in ayahuasca, but they're certainly supportive of me trying to get well. So I was amazed the second time I, I got home because I returned that day. They both, both of these two friends knew I, I was coming home. They were waiting for me to come home. They made phone calls in a row. So I got the first phone call. And she said, what happens out there? <laughs> and what did, you, what did you do to me? Do they have a Cheryl reset button? Wow, and she doesn't know anything about medicine. She doesn't know anything about it. And really, <laughs> isn't it, it isn't very interested. She's interested in the results, but it's just not her thing. Right. And for that, you know, I, I just was like, what? <laughs> then I got the second phone call uh, from a male friend, and he had actually emailed me before that. He had said, welcome home. I got to talk to you. What did you do on this date? It was a Thursday because this is what happened, and I know that it was you. So tell me, so what was it on the, that happened? Well, we talked on the phone, and, and it's a, a little bit personal, so I okay. won't get into it. Even right. though, you know, he's anonymous. But it was a wonderful story. It's a fantastic story. And he thought absolutely something happened to me, and it affected him. Wow, that's beautiful. So there is healing with other people outside of your experience, yeah. Yeah. I've and heard I mean, about we this. Learned, we, yes, we learned that through ayahuasca, you're not just healing yourself, you're healing seven generations behind you and seven generations in front of you. And I thought, okay, well, that makes sense, right? You know, it's because it, it works with DNA, it works on the molecular level, we understand that. But I had no idea that it would extend itself to friends. And right. that, that was amazing. Yeah. So whatever experience he had, it was a positive one, and somehow he connected it with you right away. He knew that you were involved. Yes, gave me the date and everything, and then sent me a song, Return to Innocence. I forget who sings it, but he sent me that song, and I listened to it, and I bawled. It's an old song. It's a great song. And I bawled, but I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
but returned to innocence. I was like, what are you sending me? You know, it was just amazing. So, so yeah, it, it, I, you know, they say when you heal, everybody around you heals, blah, blah, blah. It's true. I think it is true. In, in this case, certainly, it did uh, have an effect somehow on these two individuals. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where um, the things that we experience with these medicines shows us that the experience we're having here is is a lot deeper than we think, and that these underlying things, you know, we, we place a great deal of importance on how we say something, and how we look, and what our expression is on our face, but everything underneath has a great deal to do with what's going on in our lives. You know, I, I asked, yes. um, and it affects other people in in a, a very profound way, too. And, and we're just simply unaware of it, and this is going on all the time. So um, yeah. I remember asking Ayahuasca in my first ceremony. I, I don't even think I asked her. When I started to think about my intentions, this was a question that was rolling around in my mind. And so she knew from weeks before I even arrived in the jungle, <clears throat> what it was that was on my mind. And I was thinking, would it be possible to discover, um, you know, the nature of reality <laughs> through this experience? And, and so when I felt, when I went into my experience, she appeared and um, and after embracing me, she started to respond uh, spontaneously to all of the questions that were rolling around in my mind when I was creating uh, my intentions. And one of them was this, and she said, um, reality is flexible, and your reality is due to your state. And so ever since, of course, we've been working on changing my state for the better. And what I realize is that she's showed me, just like we have responsiveness with the medicines, you know, we put across a thought, they'll respond, you know, and if we have negative thoughts that they find it difficult to work on us or to do anything or to accomplish anything because we're not agreeing, that's why the bee beings asked for your agreement. And so yeah. she showed me that in, in our reality, in everyday life, when we have these negative thoughts going out to other people, that this is creating a lot of dark stuff. You know, so if you yeah. have a thought about another person, I mean, look what's going on in, you know, these circles where people are just bashing one another outright and, and that this is a, a, a uh, yeah. and that this is a popular thing to do. Like this is considered to be just common. And I realized that that actually causes harm. You know, even in my mind, when I started to think in a certain direction and imagine something um, between myself and another person that wasn't healthy, the, the, you know, she would point this out. And it's just been constant training for me to recognize the power of what goes on there and that it's actually meaningful. It's not just stuff. It, it hurts me. It hurts other people. I may as well have gone out and, you know, did damage to that person. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Our thoughts make us sick. Yeah. Yeah, and, and others They can really make us sick, and, and it's brutal because we're, you know, so well, every, this is going to be a whole new, another big conversation, so I'm not going to even get into it, but Why not? yeah, so I, I agree, they do, they make us sick, they make others sick, and at the same time, you know, it's like, but how do we help how we feel, you know, and, you know, so I have to sit there and decide, stop judging how you feel, and 
you know, the old surround yourself with people who you feel good around. And if you can't find anybody to feel good around, then be by yourself. And, because and you'll be better off. It's okay, you know, to explore those feelings, too. Um, mm-hmm. And often there's something behind it. Like sometimes when I'm feeling not great, and but everything that's going on around me wouldn't indicate that that's an appropriate response, then I know that there's something I'm mulling over in my mind that's probably not healthy. And if it's not apparent what that is, um, I start to use imaginative techniques to to dispose of them because I'm forming a powerful agreement saying, look, I no longer allow this to happen and I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to entertain this any longer. I mean, if there's a deep message behind it, I ask about that. <clears throat> you know, what what's this telling me? Is there something I need to know? And if not, if it's me just continually inviting back something I'm familiar with from this dark night of the soul, as you described it, and from many, many years of painful experiences, then I'm going yeah. to say I'm done with that, you know. And, and it's a continual commitment, but there are, there are ways to do that with our imagination. And again, this, this um, they're very effective, and this calls into question, again, how we feel about imagery and and, you know, how normally people relegate that to, oh, that's nice and, and pretty and, and frivolous, <laughs> you know, but yeah. and fanciful, but the truth is I'm starting to see that, that there's a lot more power in that than we ever imagined. And, you know, so much of what we are experiencing here are, was born out of someone's imagination, you know. <laughs> so it's yeah. a pretty powerful tool, and if we start to use it, it, it can be extremely effective. We can take the harness and start healing ourselves and and using a lot of those experiences we've had with the medicine to to start, you know, doing that ourselves. We we have far more power than we ever imagined. Yes. Yes. And I was shown that in my sixth ceremony. Oh, good. And Do I, tell. I, just, I couldn't handle it because it was like I I was sitting and and the the shaman, it was Maria actually. She was in front of me, and she was singing this beautiful Icaro, and normally I get irritated by them. Oh, yeah, that was that and, was difficult at times, but intentional, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so she's singing this beautiful Icaro, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, and I'm just going to be blunt, I felt my vagina and my anus open right up, and my root was just open, and I felt this energy, this power rising up. And it was startling, astonishing, and beautiful. At the same time, in the state I was in, I was still very sick, right, when I went for, for my, first, uh, my first trip. Right. And they, they she, I started <sighs> reminding me and pounding it into my head, you are a woman, you're a woman over and over, and I was realizing it, a part of my consciousness started realizing, I'm a human woman. Like, do you know what that means? That is so powerful. And this energy is rising up, rising up. And I started getting, I became very afraid. And Maria is still singing this beautiful song. Now, in what was happening was gorgeous. In my head, though, I had said, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't have this. I cannot have this power. Uh, everyone will know, and they won't leave me alone. 
Isn't that interesting, huh? The fears that we have. I was not ready. But that's, it's so important to have those experiences. Um, I've had these experiences with ayahuasca um, since I've come home. Not quite <laughs> that powerful, um, well, in that particular way. But I've had these situations where she's shown me that I was being offered something that could make me feel so much better and that I was rejecting it. And um, yeah. now, now try to make sense of that. And <laughs> so she was showing me that on some level that I had to start to acquaint myself with, I was saying no to all the things that I really wanted. So I could whine in my head as much as I wanted. You know, I want this and I want that. But she was showing me that what really is the truth is that I was saying no to a lot of those things. And then she was asking for me to agree to heal those. And she had to show me this for me to recognize it and to say yes. That's really how powerful we are. We we do say no to a lot of this stuff on a deeper level. So it's really important to understand what's going on on that deeper level. And you recognized, you know how, how incredibly important that is, that you recognized in your head you were saying no. It's like, now we can work with this. Now you can do something. When you don't know that that's happening, you can't heal it, you know? Right, yeah. So yes. a, a lot of work must have been done to, to start to go, okay, let's get to work on that, right? Absolutely. But the, the most interesting thing about it, I mean, aside from, and, and I was near orgasm, and that, that's the thing, too. I was going to have an orgasm, and I realized the power of femi- feminine power. She kept pounding that into my head, too, this feminine power, you're a woman, feminine power. I just couldn't, <laughs> I, my mind, my ego said, no, no. Isn't that incredible? Ready. That's so funny. But the thing is that the shaman can't read our minds, but I now absolutely believe, you know, without a doubt, that they can see what's happening oh, sure. to us. And so Maria finished her song, and she came over. She got up from her place on the floor in front of me, and she came around, and she grabbed my face, and she was giggling, and she kissed me. Oh, <laughs> right on the, so right on the cheek. And I grabbed, she just walked away, and I grabbed her. You know, we're not supposed to touch her or anything, right? But I grabbed her, and I, ki- I kissed her right back, and I just couldn't stop laughing after that. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. So I thought, okay, good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one to witness that because, whoa, that was oh, wild. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's such know. an incredible um, bond that is created between people who have that experience with you. And, and yeah, you don't want to be the only one to know this miraculous thing took place. Um, you want it, someone to witness it. Of course. You know, and because you, it's so beautiful. And you were so, so fortunate. Like, and most people don't. Oh, I, I am so fortunate. My ceremonies not only don't last four hours. I mean, I've had a, one ceremony went on for 17 hours. That was last year. That was the most difficult of my life, 17 hours. Um, because I wasn't a threat to myself or anybody else, a shaman wouldn't break me out of it, but a facilitator was very kind, and he, you know, tried to do the lemon and salt thing, you know, on the 16th or 15th hour of it, and it didn't work, and I, I got out of it, finally. Um, but, wow, there was a lot, of, a lot of work. So ayahuasca, for me, she just goes in and does what needs to be done to completion for that period of time. And if she can hold me for, for, you know, anywhere from 10 to 17 hours, she does it. 
and I appreciate it, even though it's exhausting and, and terrifying and scary. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, it's like, wow. Yeah, you know. So she, she did give me three very powerful lessons that in my dark night of the soul, I would have swatted them away so fast. But now having a healthier mind, I can understand that. And she made it perfectly clear to me. The first one was, you are your own practitioner. The second one was, love yourself enough to let go. And the third one was, choose to be happy. There you go. And that was it. Those three, loud and clear, from her voice. And my life actually is now revolving around these teachings that she gave me and they were personalized for me but I think that they can help other people too. Oh, these are pretty universal. In fact, I'm going to ask you to repeat them one more time. Okay. The first one, you are your own practitioner. Okay. The second one, love yourself enough to let go. And number three, choose to be happy. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I went through, I think, about a six-month period, and it, it hasn't ended entirely, but um, there was a campaign. Like, you know, when you said she repeated something over, you are feminine, you are feminine, and you're a woman, you're a woman, over and over and over again, because she's just trying to, like, get your attention and get you to really start to conceive of what that means. For me, yeah. for like six months, it was surrender. <laughs> surrender, surrender, yeah. surrender. All day, all night, I would hear this. And and it just oh. took a while for me to just start to open up to what that meant, you know? And it's not like you can, I mean, you can go onto the internet and say, what does it mean in spiritual terms? But the truth is, it is just an opening up and a trusting and a letting go, you know? Yeah. And uh-huh. I do get it from time to time again, and it usually happens when I'm starting to tense up in some way. But this was like a campaign. <laughs> and I love, I love to hear these stories when you tell about over and over and over again. Because I know, I know her. I know yes. what she does with me every day. And when she does that, I know she's trying to get through. And it's so familiar. And it's familiar to other people, too. And it's, it's lovely. I, I just feel so grateful when I hear these things. And, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get it. My message back to ayahuasca is we're doing our best, and you know, yeah, please don't hurt me. I'm doing my best. <laughs> well, they they never really intentionally do. Um, I no, think, they don't. I do it to myself. It's yeah. all for my benefit, and it's all out of love. And I know that. And it's so strange to try and explain that to people because we do think of love as an emotion, and it's not. It's a powerful force. And it's that's a state. It's a powerful force. It's a state yes. of being, too. Yeah, you can exist in that all the time, and that is the goal. Um, yes. Also, the laughing afterwards, you know, laughing is one of the ways that we release. We always think of purging as throwing up or going to the bathroom, but laughing is, is an amazing release. Yes. It really yes. is, and it's so powerful. And I, I'm yawning, too. That's Yawning's what they gave great. Me at, at the temple, they, you know, uh, yeah, the, you know, purges are fine, but the yawning was, oh, that was anxiety-provoking for me because I didn't think my mouth was going to shut. Oh, that's right, the clicking and everything, yeah. I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much, and it was just crazy. Oh, they but, gave you yeah, a super yawn. Really 
<laughs> Is that Pardon? it? They gave you a super yawn. Yeah, many, <laughs> many, many of them. But, you know, it's, it's better than, than vomiting in the bucket because they don't have to worry about kicking it over. I'm just yawning so there won't be a mess. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, she works with you in ways that are compatible with you and most effective for you, and it is so personalized, and oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. The other thing that I'm um, wondering about, and if any of your listeners or anybody could shine some light on this, is, and we've talked about it a bit, um, mushrooms. Okay. So the mushrooms called me Excellent. earlier this, this summer, and, you know, I've taken them in younger days for fun, and that's it. So now they're calling and they're saying, okay, you know, take me, take me. And then, and then a weird series of events, because that's what happens to me, they landed in my lap. I had spoken to someone who said, yeah, I can get mushrooms. And then I, I thought, well, when I'm ready, I'll call that person and then I'll get some. But my brother actually called me one day and he said, oh, so-and-so dropped off a, a bag of vegetables for me and said give one to your sister give it back to your sister so i'm like okay <laughs> okay mushrooms i will take you so i started experimenting with microdosing and um one night i thought well i'll do a gram maybe over a gram and so i took them and it it was ayahuasca yeah ayahuasca came through yeah and i'm wondering if anybody else has had that experience because mushrooms have their own style but ayahuasca's style is signature it it's like nothing else it's true and it was the same vision the same feel the same vibe and i just thought geez you know how how did she get in here i'm grateful <laughs> but how did that happen so, so this, I, yeah this has happened this has been reported widely um and not just it with has, mushrooms okay. it, it's happened with me with mushrooms and it's happened with other people with with cannabis and you know i'm sure even other medicines like um wow. i was called to do peyote uh, after I got back from Peru, of course, this dialogue just continued and, and I had a lot of instructions and, and I was given, you know, other medicines to do. They called me in the morning and they'd be like, okay, when and where? And yeah, this information would come through. And so I went um, back to, to um, Mexico to do peyote again. And um, even though peyote has its own little ritual with me, it seems... Um, there a lot of the same kind of feel to it was happening. Um, I would say that I I did um, recognize uh, a unique peyote sort of um, feel for sure. Um, but I'm starting to realize, and, and even uh, Guy and Crittenden and myself were speaking about this that you know these medicines once they're on board they all work together. You know, and yeah. I think that the best we could do is imagine a team of doctors saying, "Well, which specialist would be appropriate for that person right now?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, yeah. this is the vehicle. You know, let's call it cannabis or or you know fungi or whatever. This is the vehicle, and and here's what's needed. You know, let's not quibble about who's on stage right now. <laughs> right. Let's yeah. just do yeah. the job that needs to be done. Right. You know that that's what they're all about. And so yeah. it's, it's really fascinating. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me. That uh, that settles a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember 
certain mushrooms from my younger days, and it was great because I'd giggle like mad. I didn't realize that, you know, that that was a release too. Um, but now it's all very, this voice that I hear all the time just gets louder <laughs> and more forceful, and I'm like, okay, I'm listening, and I'm hearing you. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, she doesn't leave, that's for sure. No, and, and I'm so very grateful. I won't say that it's not tremendously challenging at times, um, oh, but yeah. uh, but it's it's so worth it, and uh, it's changed everything for the better. And I'm so thankful that you were so brave to share your story. And, and oh, I'm, thank you. I love Thank you story. for having me, Rebecca. I really appreciate that. I, I would love to do it again, and I think, I think we shall, because there's so many other things that I wanted to get into with you, but we're coming to the end of the show. And thank you very much, Corinne. <laughs> I'm thank so glad to so have talked to you Rebecca. today. Thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com.